Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell, and uh, Tracy Reynolds is with me. And Tracy, we have another great guest. Yeah, we do. I've read after Dr. Lynn Sweet for a number of years. I think my first taste of you was Soul Tsunami. So that was three or four days ago. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that seemed like it's been a tsunami since then, for sure. And my soul has certainly been through that. But welcome to our podcast, Dr. Lynn Sweet. Thank you. Yeah, it's so great to have you. Um, you think of the name of this uh, podcast, Next Step Leadership, and um, so much that we have learned uh, through you as you're trying to guide and, and notice things out the windows, uh, glancing into the future that we often uh, do not notice until it's too late. Uh, so uh, just kind of dive in and start talking to us about some of the trends. Uh, what do you see happening? Uh, what's occurring? And how can we respond well in church and in just uh, leadership as we mentor the younger generation? Well, it's interesting because um, I, you know, I first came out with a book called Faith Quakes, where I compared what was happening in the landscape of uh, the culture to an earthquake. So I just call it faith quakes. And then I realized that was not strong enough. So a couple years later, I came out with this book that you mentioned, um, The Soul Tsunami. And so I moved the metaphor from a a quake to a tsunami. Mm -hmm. And then they asked me 20 years later to do a kind of a follow-up to Soul Tsunami. And so that came out um, early 2020. And I just called that uh, uh, Rings of Fire. <laughs> so I went to Volcanoes. So I started at Faith Quakes, then went to, uh, went to Volcanoes. So, so that's kind of where I think we are. We're in a world of erupting volcanoes, uh, active volcanoes, many of them erupting at the same time. And, and so the challenge is doing ministry in that kind of a, in that kind of a context, in that kind of a world. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so just in my lifetime, it's it's been uh, up the ante about every every ten to twenty years. So yeah. So how can well, we respond? Well, I think the the ultimate thing is, and this is the um, I, I really I don't like the word relevant because we confuse relevancy with recency, and some of the some of the most relevant things in the pure sense of that word, some of the most ancient and. So I don't, uh, I don't like, I don't want to be relevant. I, I want to incarnate the gospel in whatever the culture is. And, and, and so I want to be in touch with the culture, but in tune with the spirit. So how do we, Jesus put it, be in the world, but not of the world. So I want to be in touch with all these trends and trajectories that are going on, but I don't, you don't go with that flow, if you will, you know, you, in many ways, we're salmon creatures. We're always going upstream. We're cutting against the grain, which means we're going to get splinters. But there is a uh, in it but not of it kind of interaction with culture. 
So I want to be in whatever this world is, and this is the world that, that in the providence and sovereignty of God, God chose us to do ministry and mission now. Um, so God, I, I'm totally unprepared. I'm totally uh, unable on my own to even look at what is, if you look at all the things that are, that are on the horizon. Um, and, um, I, but God must know something about me that I don't know because God picked me <laughs> and you for this moment, you know, and it's not going to do well for us one day if we go to the great judgment day and, and it comes time and how well did you, you know, how did you do? Well, I didn't like the moment you gave me. I did, I, I chose another moment. I really like 1950s or I really like 1970s or I love, love the 80s. Uh, so I, I did ministry for the 80s. No, but I, I gave you the 21st century with these 22nd century kids. So what, what are you thinking? You know, mm. So I want to be <clears throat> faithful to the moment that God has given me, and uh, you don't get to choose your moment. This was chosen for us by, by God, so what does it mean for us to be in this world but not of it? But then if you know, let's listen carefully to John 17, that what Jesus is saying. He says, but I don't, don't take them out of it either. So it's kind of this holy divine triangulation where to be in the world, not of it, but not out of it either. And of course, in academic circles, as you know, Chris, we love to be out of it in an intellectually in way, you know. So, <laughs> so that's how we complete the circle. But at any rate, uh, so there, there's a dance there of staying dependently, independently dependent on Jesus in the context of the culture around us and and the, the complexity and chaos, right? Mm-hmm. And the only way through it is not around the scriptures, but through the scriptures. I mean, that's how you deal with these thorny thickets for me, is not, well, the scriptures don't don't address that so I can go around them. No, no, they do. If you really read them carefully, there's nothing that is going on in the world today that is not in some way addressed and, and, and confronted by the biblical drama and the biblical story. So it's just a matter of learning how to read the scriptures in a whole new way, and to uh, stand under them, and um, so we can understand them. So yeah, it's a it's an exciting moment. They, and, and this is the big uh, for me the big bugbear of the church. As um, I was listening to a, a lecture called "The End of Preaching," hmm. and I I, I was listening to it because I thought he was calling for the end of preaching. You know, but no. It was more of a, you know, what is the end, or in a sense, of purpose of preaching? What is the end of preaching? And for me, it was just such an obvious answer, you know. What is the end of preaching, you know? But, uh, which is to lift up Christ. I mean, isn't that the end of all preaching, is to lift up Christ? But that was not never, so this person went through kind of a history of what other people had said about, other preachers had said about the end of preaching, and Christ never appeared. I mean, and, and this person's proposal for the end of preaching was, and I guess you could work it around so it could be this, but it was, it was really beautifully done and just expertly written and a real piece of art the way this person did it. But the end of preaching is prayer. Well, yeah, but praying to whom and, you yeah. know, and what kind, you know. So yeah, it's a, it's beautiful and, and lovely, and but no, the end of preaching is to lift up Christ. Whatever the culture is, how do we 
And Jesus himself said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. I will draw. We don't trust Jesus to do what he says he's going to do. So we go off on drawing boards and we stand there and we get out our draft instruments and we draw up these programs and draw up these blueprints because we think we are going to have to draw, do the drawing. No, we are not the draw. He's the draw. So we find new ways to, to lift him up like a drawbridge, you know, lift him up higher and higher and then get out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. So the question is, how do you find new ways to lift him up in whatever that culture is? Yeah, that's the question. That's the question. And that's the challenge for everybody. But but I, I call it JDD, Jesus Deficit Disorder. A lot of our churches, you don't hear about Jesus. you got all these apps where happy, happy people or happy, happy people. You know, how to have a better marriage, how to have a better uh, kids, how to how to have the perfect wedding, you know, um, how to make all these apps and, and, and applications. I, I, I personally believe the ultimate app is the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. I just trust the Spirit to app it. Uh, but mm-hmm. no, how, we're not in the app business. We're in the lifting up Christ business. Yeah. And then he will, he will draw and the Holy Spirit will app. So... I, I have a little different uh, kind of take on this that, uh, that a lot of people have today where they're trying to find, you know, what are the 10 new features of being a leader? And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so you can, you can hear sermons and never hear the name of Jesus mentioned in any serious way other than a rhetorical, yeah, uh, rhetorical yeah. sense. And that's, the, that's, uh, that's not the way we're going to get through, navigate and negotiate this future is uh, – you know, yeah. I was, uh, I've been a, a worship leader for, for a, a good long time, and one of the things that we ask our, our people to do is to um, uh, make sure that we create an environment where people can encounter God. And it's, it's more than a performance, uh, as you know, but it's a way of, as you were talking about, lifting, away, lifting, up, lifting up Jesus to an extent where he can make a difference, because if we truly encounter Jesus, he would uh, there would be the opportunity for him to change my life and reshape my future. Uh, so pressing into him, yeah. But we're trying to make the one of the draws, though. Tracy, is we also make the worship leader the draw, or the praise team the draw, right? right. Or the preacher the draw, or look what a great facility the draw. No, we are all. The end of all of us is to find ways in which we can lift up Christ so that this culture can hear who Jesus is and receive this this incredible one who will make all things new. We don't do it. He does it. And, uh, and so that's a, you know, that, that's a big uh, bugbear to me is, uh, as Chris knows, too, I, you know, I this idea we, we lift up leadership. No, we lift up Christ, you know, and you follow him. You don't, you know, he's the leader. I'm the follower. I'm the, I'm the one that is behind him as we lift him up and follow behind him. And even when I'm at the front of the line speaking to a, a crowd, I'm still behind him. <laughs> if I'm doing my job right, I'm always behind him. I'm always catching up to him. He's always in front of me. He's always ahead of me. And, uh, what are what are like practical everyday ministry ways 
in, in our personal time and also in our church gatherings so that we make sure Jesus is the one on stage. And it's, so it's not just about us, that we're pointing them toward the cross, that we're pointing them toward the reminders. Yeah, well, I mean, I, there's, there's also, I've, early Christianity, uh, when they, we started building facilities, you know, the first 250 years were in the home and the major church furniture is the table, you know. So, but we start putting in churches, uh, every church had to be oriented. Are you familiar with this? That the church is supposed to have this theological orientation of facing east. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where orient means east. And so the the church would face the, the the return of Christ. So the orienting towards east was a facing towards Christ, actually. And um, when a church had been oriented, there was, and if you look at the church nativity in Bethlehem and other early early churches like that, there's ostrich eggs. Either part of the lamps or just hanging down in a macrame saddle. Some of these ostrich eggs are are are, uh, are painted. Sometimes they're just uh, plain. But the ostrich egg was a symbol that a church had been oriented and was facing Christ. So it, even where I write in my study, I'm in my library now. But in my in my study, I have right where I write in front of me a hanging ostrich egg. Uh, I mean, so there's little things. I mean, I have a little ritual. The first thing I do when I brush my teeth in the morning, I look in the mirror because everything in this culture is telling me, sweet, you are God. Have it your way. You deserve this. It, you know, you are you are God. And I'm going, I just look in the mirror and go, God is God and you are not, sweet. God is God and you are not. Mm. You know, so you got to, there, there needs to be these little, I think, rituals that that keep us on this track of, uh, so that that's his kind of, as down in the dirt as you can get, but then higher up, Chris. I mean, there's all sorts of other other ways of keeping Christ to focus. How in just constantly? How does this lift him up? Who is this lifting up? Is this lifting up the church? This church is this lifting up me. If that's the case, then then you 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 break yourself and yeah. And it's all about lifting him up. And how better can we lift him up? And mm. You and I talked about this before, but and it's a big deal to me, um, is using our imagination the right way. And you look at traditions that uh, through art and poetry and music, they connected us toward him using our imaginations. And now we just kind of look down on that. It's like we don't have room for the imagination and the healthy mystery and in the holy imagery in our church culture. And we need to bring that back so it can bring us back to the point you're making. Yeah, some of us were afraid of, of, um, of the imagination. Um, Agatha Christie had a great way of putting it. She said, imagination is a good servant, but a bad master. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're created in the image of God, which means... Part of that image is our imagination, and God expects us to use it. But but it, we it's a it's a sanctified imagination. You know what I mean? It's a biblical imagination, <sighs> sacred imagination. So it's not just imagination for imagination's sake, but it's chastened and disciplined by um, the the sacred and and by um, by the scriptures. 
So I, I yeah, I, I just, um, we ought to be the most creative people around. The church ought to be the most creative place around. We worship the creator. Nobody's supposed to know the creator better than us. So what does the creator do? Create. So we ought to be really hyper-creative people in hyper-creative places. And where's the last place anybody expects to find creativity? Imagination is key to me, too. Somehow embedding that creativity in humility and desperation for Christ. Uh, But you're right. In the early church... uh, thinking through Bach, and there, there was a period of time where the best musicians were in the church, uh, the, the standards of music were set by the church musicians, and now it seems as if we follow culture instead of the Lord in that. Yeah, and we're, we're pay, we, the church was the patron of the arts. I mean, we were, up until really the 19th century, and I've done a little research here, that even 19th century circuit writers come out of the Methodist Wesleyan tradition. But they were um, they had they were co-porters. They had books and tracks that they passed around and kept in their saddlebags. And but they also were the art dealers. I mean, it's hard to believe this, but they were the ones who were most informed about arts and and would sell artwork and make sure artwork was in people's homes and kind of uh, get some there. And I, I'm not talking about the quality of the artwork, but it's still art, you know. And um, and we've lost all that. I mean, we've lost all that. I mean, you go into churches and and um, you know all you see is blank walls. I mean, you go, well, are any of your people painting anything? I mean, aren't your kids painting anything? I, I there's a church in Jackson, Michigan. It's called Westwinds, and and when they put up their new building, they um, there were like 131 kids in the church at that time, and they asked the kids to please. Uh, paint, and I think it was like a, a foot by a foot, uh, or maybe it was eight, know, eight and a half by 11, who knows, but to paint a picture of their hopes and dreams for this new building that was coming up. And so all 131 painted um, a, a, their, a picture of their hopes and dreams for this new facility. What they did then is we turn, they turned those paintings into tiles, mm. and they wainscoted the walkway from the door into the sanctuary with those 131 tiles. And so when I walked in, I, I was asked to come and help dedicate the building. And I walked in, I, you're always looking for that tree of donors, you know, the gold tree with all the... And I go, where's your, uh, where's your tree, you know, of donors? I, we don't have... You don't, where are your charter members? Oh, we, we, don't, we have charter children. And so we walked down and saw their artwork, 131, I think, of beautiful, beautiful, of, of these you know foot by foot tiles that just just ushered you into into the sacred, and and you're feeling that sacred already when you were seeing these kids, their hopes and dreams for this uh, this space, and and again, it, you, you, it, the the art now, the new standard of excellence is not the quality of the performance, is the quality of the participation. And you had this real feeling of what the participation was of these kids in this new adventure of putting in a, a new space, a sacred space. Mm. I love that. Well, we want to uh, end this 
conversation, and then uh, we will uh, talk to you again for the next uh, podcast. But Lynn, I appreciate your wisdom, your creative mind, and your and where you're taking us. Because our hope is that we can learn and find ways to make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Yeah.